Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Blaker. How's it going, Andy? Hey, Marlene. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I had mentioned to you that I'm excited about discussing this episode, and I'm not entirely sure why I hold it as one of my favorites, but... Um, I do. So that's going to be kind of a, probably an interesting discussion of our opinions of it. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is episode 18 of season three. It's called Barbet. And it was written by Jim Parker, um, from whom I don't believe we've heard before as a writer. This is probably his first episode, if I'm correct. And directed by James Burroughs. And it aired on February 14th, 1985. So Valentine's Day of 1985. Yeah. Somewhat... A- Maybe tongue-in-cheek appropriate, um, I would think. Mm-hmm. And the summary is that someone from the time of Sam's alcoholic relapse, which we saw at the beginning of season three, a little bit of that, shows up at Cheers, reminding Sam that he bet this guy, whose name is Eddie Gordon, um, bet him the bar that he, you know, Sam, would marry Jacqueline Bissett in one year, the anniversary of which is coming up the next night. So Sam and his friends, you know, the whole Cheers gang, arrange for Sam to meet and hopefully marry a woman by the name of Jackie Bissett so that he can keep the bar. <laughs> Before all of that happens, we have this teaser, and Norm and Cliff are arguing something to do with Chekhov or Ibsen. So Norm is, keeps saying Chekhov, like Chekhov, Chekhov, Chekhov. And Cliff is like, Ibsen, Ibsen, Ibsen. And Norm's like, no, it's the cherry orchard. And Cliff says, Ibsen, the master builder. They're going mm. back and forth. Diane has is sitting here. She's reading at the bar. <laughs> She's got the biggest <laughs> grin on her face. She, she is like, know. just so happy. So it's, hopeful. So it, hopeful yes, that this is what, what is. she thinks it is. Yes. I was like, I don't even know how to completely describe the amazed look on her face, but there is just like hope and rapture. Uh, all, you know, all of these aspirations that she has for this conversation. So she interrupts and she asks if they are in fact discussing Anton Chekhov and Henrik Ibsen. And they say that of course they are. And they keep bickering, you know, back and forth with the names. And she's, she gives us like I guess I would describe it as almost like a coquettish laugh. There's like a little like gasp <laughs> in this laugh mm-hmm. about how wonderful this is and how she could be of assistance in this literary inquiry. And Cliff says like if anyone can help, it would be Diane. And she's like I'd like to think so. <laughs> she's a you know literary scholar, and so they're gonna give her a try. And then Cliff asks like What were you watching? on TV that night that Norm stuffed his face full of cheese doodles and whistled the way we were. <laughs> the first off is like, what were you watching? I think that, what were we watching? But I think they're talking about like what she alone was watching is what it's like. Right. And right. Diane says like, Ibsen. And then just her voice when she's like, it was taco chips. That's like disgusted. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Taco chips, you know. <laughs> She kind of pauses, taco chips. Mm-hmm. And then she walks off. She's so disappointed. As she walks off, you can kind of see her head just kind of like bobbing back and forth, like shaking, shaking her head like this, you know, just, just utter disappointment, really. <laughs> right. right. And her, help, her hopes have been built so high. Mm-hmm. And so Norm pays Cliff the bet. 
And then he's like, well, now that I think about it, it was Chekhov and Cheese Doodles the night that Artie Sullivan tried to prove he could comb his hair with his feet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, I kind of think that Chekhov and Cheese Doodles is sort of the embodiment of Cheers, like from one extreme to the other, but both at the same time. So I I liked that teaser. We have heard a lot about Cheese Doodles, haven't we? I mean, they're they're a popular snack there, I feel like. We've we've heard them Mm -hmm. mentioned in some other episodes, I think. There was one with Norm going to the bar to get a cheese doodle and Diane is telling him no. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, it's the one with the... What, I'm try, oh, it was the one with the promotion when he knew something about the co-worker and like, whether or not he was going to use that information to get the promotion. Wasn't that it? Oh, he, I think so. I think so. I remember yeah. the boss asking, like, who is that yeah. woman and why doesn't she want you to have a cheese doodle? <laughs> right. part of it, I remember. That sounds, right yeah. I, yeah. Think it's the, yeah. I think that it was like the coworker that was having an affair with the boss's wife or something, you know, there's some moral dilemma that Norm was facing, but it had to do with cheese doodles in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really like that. What did you think of it? Yeah, I like this opener. I again, it was it was just it was it's for Diane. It's it's just like this mm-hmm. this dangling this carrot in front of her, and and she has such hope for for these two guys, and it's a mighty fall. Uh, yeah. And I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it I enjoyed how they did that because, and of course, it's then they're they're arguing on these two literary figures and the most insignificant minutia kind of detail about what was so and so watching the night that Just, he did this stupid whatever you know and right. so yeah i i like that that was what they were arguing over just shows the inanity of of some of the stuff that they end up discussing and, and arguing about right yeah I, I totally agree with that that's hilarious so we start the episode um and it really it starts off the main plot like the split second the episode opens because sam comes out from his office and this character eddie gordon greets him knows him and Sam is acting all like he knows this person. We don't know his name yet, you know? Um, and there's all of this, you know, how's it going? And he says he'll have his usual and Sam asks if he's still drinking that stuff and so forth. And then we figure out when Sam asks Carla who he is, like no one knows him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so this brings in coach. Sam asks or says that he wishes coach were there because coach would know who he is and talks about how coach is getting his driver's license renewed. He's going to be back the next week, and, you know, the coach went to Vermont because he heard the test was easier there. <laughs> right. So I think it's a fun introduction of coach, and I think that, you know, to kind of go into that part of the story, I like that they made him part of the story when he was obviously not, you know, part of the filming, but they had this little funny coach, you know, discussions. There's a part later on when he's when Sam's talking to him on the phone, supposedly, and mm-hmm. um, he's talking about how, you know, how proud he is, all his studying paid off and all of this. And it turns out just that he's found Vermont. He hasn't yet taken the driver's license. <laughs> but he made it to Vermont. Right. <laughs> Which when you think about it, Massachusetts, Vermont, aren't they like next, aren't they touching each other? It's pretty I think. close, right. They're very yeah. close. So. <laughs> it's not difficult. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I like that. I thought that that was like a fond way of including him in the story. Yeah, it was authentic. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you certainly see worse in some shows that have to, you know, explain away someone's absence, right? Um, right. This was very in character, so that was good. Yeah, I thought so, too. Um, so, you know, at the get-go, Diane is telling Sam to ask Ed, the guy that turns out to be this Eddie Gordon character who he is, and Sam's like, no, 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 he's good at thinking on his feet, you know. 
um, he tells him tells the guy he made him a Manhattan instead of his usual. And so the guy says, Manhattan is his usual. And Sam just basically this whole scene is digging himself deeper. Like, you know, what's the name of the place where you work? Had a funny name. He's like, my house. My house, yeah. <laughs> um, and we get to the point when Sam finally asks who he is. And he's talking about, he's, you know, Eddie Gordon. And... Sam doesn't remember him. And Eddie says that a year ago, Sam bet him the bar that he would marry, says Jacqueline Bissett, by midnight the next night. And then Sam suddenly remembers him and says he has, you know, he he says something like he had a few too many. And Eddie's like, you had way too many. So I think it kind of harkens back to what we, you know, some of the parts we didn't see of Sam's fall off the wagon. And he says that he always wants Jacqueline Bissett when he drinks tequila. Um, so you and I had discussed, just as a disclaimer, <laughs> aside from this episode of Cheers, I always thought that the actress's name was Jacqueline Bissett. Yeah, I had to. So, yeah, so I'm still. And I don't quite know why, because I did. Well, okay, again, you know, we're not we're not you know fact checking with the probably the best of sources, but I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it is according to their little translation line where where mm-hmm. it tells you how to pronounce someone's name. It is according to that Bissett, like like this episode. Um, but I I don't know if is there another actress with the last name Bissett, or are we just I don't know. No, we must have be. just got it wrong. <laughs> I know, but we both independently thought that. Like even, yeah. I mean, I guess as a child, <laughs> so, I've and I've not seen, but I mean, from what I know, just one of her movies, and I don't even remember like her role in that, and that was Murder on the Orient Express, nineteen seventy four. Mm-hmm. But you know, she was, I guess, I, I mean, she still is alive, but she um, is known i guess for like american and then i think some french films maybe british i'm not really sure mm-hmm. a yeah a mix this, of them. not that familiar with her career um, i wasn't either i know. i knew the name i knew the name right. and, and not well much about her body of work but um yeah it is interesting that i don't know in my mind Bisset sounds a little bit more like an exotic foreign kind of name whereas Bisset, you know what i mean so that i don't know i guess i thought it was Bisset, but Right. And Bissett sounds like the woman that we'll meet in a few scenes that comes to the bar like that. <laughs> it really does. Bissett. Like, it's much more but believable Jacqueline that her Bissett. name is pronounced Bissett. Exactly. Bissett, like biscuit. Right. <laughs> That's what I think right. of. <laughs> like the biscuit, you know? <laughs> oh, they should have included that in the episode. That would have been a good line, right? Biscuit. I well, just what if they, yes, if they had referred to her, like if Sam and everyone had referred to her at the outset as Jacqueline Bissett, Bissett. and then this woman comes in and they're looking for Jacqueline Bissett, and then she's like, well, it's Jackie Bissett, you no, know, like biscuit. It's Bissett, like a biscuit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. I love her accent in this episode as an aside. I do too. And oh, I love I that too. there's a part Carla calls her out for it. Like, you don't talk um, like that. Right. Oh, there's so, there's several high quality call outs I think in this episode um yes but so yes I thought she was Jacqueline Bissett I'm still kind of convinced that she is um, but in this episode she's Jacqueline Bissett um so you know Eddie has Ed, I think Sam I was gonna say like I think Sam is good natured about this whole situation he just you know he's laughing it off he's hanging out with Eddie and then Sam produces this document that Sam had written apparently written and signed that he would give Eddie the bar if he hadn't married Jacqueline Bissett by the next night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he even tells Sam, like, oh, keep it. It's a copy. So we know that he means business. 
And, you know, Norm is saying that it doesn't sound legal, but Eddie quickly wins him over with some free chicken wings. (laughs) When he takes him to the bar, he's going to start serving free chicken wings. Um, And all of, like, this whole part, and that goes on in a bit, because, and I thought that, I thought it was a funny part, because Norm and Cliff are, like, through this entire discussion of the, you know, the bet and the legal situation, they continue to suggest appetizers that Eddie might serve in the bar. (laughs) You know, mm-hmm. and Cliff is coming up with a few and so forth. Um, but this entire exchange between Sam and Eddie made me wonder, like, what kind of people did Sam hang around with when he was drinking? And Diane mm-hmm. kind of asked that same question a little bit later. So, yeah. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Like, it's it makes it, I think... A sadder time to me. I mean, it's obviously you know not a good time for Sam, and Sam talks about that a little bit in this episode. But just the fact that somebody like Eddie was his company, I think, is um, is unfortunate to say. Yeah, yeah, and Diane definitely. She just kind of like calls out, "You went drink. You actually went drinking with that man. Right. <laughs> like, right. like you willingly chose to be around him." <laughs> Right, like it's not enough that he's an alcoholic and he started mm. drinking again, but he also chose a person of that character as his drinking buddy. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it just kind of, I don't know, I think it shines a light on the situation that Sam was in at that time, which is part of the reason I like this episode. Um, but yeah, so Eddie's taking all this very seriously and he's talking about how the bar is going to become his at midnight the next night and so forth. And... You know, Sam makes a comment about Eddie not having a leg to stand on, and Carla says most snakes don't. <laughs> She's like immediately loyal, you know. Yeah. Sam is going to stand up for it. Not even stand up for him. Like she's, I feel like she's on the cusp of violence. It never comes out, but I feel like she is, you know, she is feeling threatened for Sam, in my opinion. Mm hmm. You're right, though. I mean, she really does show the loyalty that that she mm-hmm. immediately labels this guy a snake, and she's on the offensive with him. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another little part too when Sam's like when when Diane does ask about how you know you went out drinking with someone like that, and Sam says that he thinks he picked up the tab too. <laughs> Which, the worst part of it all, he says. Right, 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 right. Um, but I can see Sam even as a drunk like picking up a tab. Like that's just. You know, Sam's a decent person. So sure. At heart, I think. Um, and we have this bit of Cliff making fun of Tom, the lawyer, who's Tom is one of the barflies. <laughs> and he's like, let a lawyer take, lawyer take a look at this, you know. And Cliff asks Tom if he knows of one or if he finally, what he says, finally passed the Massachusetts bar using the rarely used pity clause. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite line that he uses for him uh-huh. is, come on, what do you got, witless for the prosecution? <laughs> yes, that was great. <laughs> I really great. liked that one. Yeah, that was my favorite, too. Um, and Cliff just does not let him off the hook. He's like his, you know, Cliff's whipping boy, basically. Mm-hmm. And But Tom does say, for all of, like, Tom is kind of witless, but he says that it's more of a wager than a contract. Yeah. And Sam will win his case. And I do think, I mean, that's kind of a, you know, that's sort of what sets them in the right direction, I think. Mm-hmm. That it's a wager. Hence the bar bet. So this really, and I don't want to like get too far ahead, but um, I have this whole episode. So, so we have by now, we've, we've been introduced basically to this premise here that that Sam and Eddie went, you know, drinking one night. Sam was, you know, drunk as a skunk and 
basically said, all right, I can marry Jacqueline Bissett in a year or I'm going to give you my bar. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, this is supposedly written down. There are supposedly witnesses, but this is a piece of paper. Tom's point um, and even Norm's point, he's not a lawyer, but, you know, their their whole point and Diane's point is that, okay, really, what can this guy do? You know, let's fight it. And Sam has his reasons for not wanting it to go to court, not wanting it to become public scrutiny. And so I, you know, we can understand that. But that's the premise that everything in this episode rides on. And I have, it was so hard for me to get past the ridiculousness of that, of that premise in that thinking that Eddie would actually have a, a, a case here. You know, right. that, that that he could prove that Sam actually wrote this, that that's Sam's handwriting, that, that Sam was in the right, like, like Tom's saying. So I, I don't know. That's been my, that's my biggest complaint about the episode, that I feel like they could have all just laughed Eddie out of the bar and there would have been no episode. And, and Eddie, what's Eddie mm-hmm. going to do? I mean, Eddie stuffs envelopes working from home. This guy ain't right. the sharpest tack in the shed. And, the, and he says he's got a lawyer. I mean, I first heard that line and I'm like, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. it just, I immediately was kind of like calling his bluff. And then as the episode towards the end, you kind of learn a little bit more about who this guy really is and what his mm-hmm. aim was. Um, and again, I'm a, probably applying too much of a real world perspective on this, but that is one thing that I just had such trouble with this episode. You know, I enjoyed it for what it was, but I was like, what? it's all, it all rides and falls on this premise. And I just found it a little, a little stretched, a little, a little far-fetched if you would. Yeah, no, yeah. I can see that. I think that, yeah, I can totally see that. Um, I think that's why it's necessary like for Sam to have this, sort of like the self-consciousness about not wanting to testify that he was drunk and made an idiot out of himself and himself. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me, that's congruent with the way that Sam has responded in the past when talking about how he has overcome alcoholism. And, you know, like even in some of the season one episodes when he talks about that or like when he's interviewed and that's one of the things that he wants to mention is not just his baseball career, but how he, because in this scene, you know, he talks about how he, he drank himself out of baseball and the press wasn't kind to him. Mm-hmm. But the overcoming alcoholism, I think, is a big part of his character. And yeah. so having to confess, you know, to the even the local world that he fell back into that, I could see that being enough of a motivation that he wouldn't mm-hmm. want to be in court. I think that... To me, it's not because I mean, you know, yes. Does Eddie is Eddie even going to be able to take him to court? Like, I don't know because I really don't know exactly how that would work. But Eddie seems like he's enough of an opportunist that he would be able to get, you know, some sort of low end lawyer lawyer to at mm-hmm. least file the case. Maybe I mean I don't you know I don't know. No, it's a fair me, point. I mean, you're right. That situation with Sam and how, what Sam is thinking about this. And so I, I guess that's the thing I like is that it does take us back to repercussions of what happened with Sam at the beginning of the season. And it doesn't do mm. it in a way that has to be serious for the whole episode. It just needs it to be serious to kick it off, you know? Right. Um, not to argue. I mean, I, I totally understand. What you're no, no, you're, but you're right. I mean, and that's just, it, it's, it's, they're two, you know, e- equally valid, you know, perspectives on it. Mm-hmm. Cause you're right. I mean, it is, it is justification and it is congruent with Sam as a character. Yeah. I did like the callback to that. This happened, you know, 
back when he was, you know, off the wagon, so to speak, in the, right. in the first part of the season. Um, I, I did like that. I, I kind of thought maybe they could have, because, you know, Sam's justification for not wanting this to go public and not wanting it to be relived in the public, you know, whatever, it, it gets just that one little mention. And I, I mm-hmm. almost on my first watch I through, I almost forgot that. And I found myself toward the end thinking, why did he even go along with all these 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 hijinks or whatever why couldn't he have just you know and then i remembered back to oh yeah he kind of was embarrassed he didn't want this to come out but because it was it's just kind of a real quick little bit that he delivers it and it's not mentioned again so i almost forgot that motivation for the character but you're right i mean that that is that is very much what you would what you would expect from him yeah I think it's two things, like the logical reason, you know, or the, you know, the, I guess <laughs> real world scenario versus like Sam's emotions about it, maybe. I don't know if that's the best mm-hmm. explanation, but I think this is sort of like the two things. I think I was like, I bought into the way that Sam was dealing with it, you know, right? more than just the, is it a reasonable situation? Right, um, right. And then, like, they have the part at the end, you know, when Diane says, like, oh, he's looking for an arrangement, basically, that may, I think that makes it, a, like, a little more sense, like, what Eddie's motivation is. But, yeah, I mean, it's right. outlandish. It's a little outlandish going in. Right. For sure. Um, and I, the other thing is, too, it's, like, I, if something is too far-fetched, I probably, or in my opinion, too far-fetched, I probably wouldn't buy into it. But... I've decided, like, with Cheers, I like things that are, like, a, just a little out of left field, like, a little into the absurd. <laughs> and this yeah. has, I think, a more, it's funny, but it's a more dramatic opening. And then it just gets, I would say it stays on this side of ridiculous, because I don't like things that are ridiculous. But it goes into a little bit into the absurd, both in the kind of Looney Tunes characters <laughs> and into the plot. So, to me, mm-hmm. it hits that sweet spot. But that's just no, my Hey, that's great. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm not yeah. saying my I my whole like you know real world perspective rationale. You know, I'm always kind of questioning: could this really happen? Oh, I yeah. probably no, I do it's... let that deter me a little bit from just like enjoying the ride. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I I'm fully aware of that. <laughs> you know? No, I think it makes a great discussion though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I like too that they're thinking as we go along here goes. A little bit in that direction like you know they're thinking reasonably but outside the box it seems to me um because at first we start with norm wondering if sam could just go ahead and marry jacqueline bissett (laughs) you know (laughs) like why not just do that um and sam is saying how it would take at least a week to find her and this is a well-known actress find her (laughs) meet her woo her and marry her (laughs) just a week just right right um and then Carla, so I think this is like, you know, skipping ahead too. I feel like Carla and Cliff are kind of the slightly unsung heroes of the, epi- heroes of the episode because mm-hmm. Carla comes up with the idea or not, or the, you know, like the realization and then Cliff makes it possible. So yeah. she's, yeah, looking at this, this signed wager and there's a great exchange with Diane here. Did you mm-hmm. think oh, of Oh, I part? did. I did. So she's Carla basically says, like, I've got an idea or something. And Diane has this zinger. She said, just kind of turns to her. You actually mm-hmm. conceive something besides a child? 
<laughs> the way she turns her head. The way she turns her head, and she's so proud. She's quoting this line, and she's just like, oh, this is a good one. And I really, what made it, though, was Carla's like, ooh, a bitter and unprovoked attack. I like it, you know? <laughs> yes. She, she's but, proud of her there. There's yes. a real camaraderie like, hey, good for you. You got one on me, you know? Yeah. I actually ever have the word camaraderie about that as well. Um, <laughs> I really thought through, like, that's the best example of it. But I thought through the episode, they kind of have a camaraderie because it's sort of like they're both on Sam's team, you know. Right. But that's, yeah, Carla's pride that Diane came up with that is pretty fantastic. And she kind of smiles a little bit too, and then Diane kind of smiles in response. The insult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Carla's realization here, you know, is that the paper doesn't say anything about Sam having to marry the Jacqueline Bissett slash Bissett. <laughs> and that there, there have to be more of them, more people, more women named Jacqueline Bissett than Sam, Bissett, than Sam could marry and then win right. that and then get a divorce. Mm-hmm. So Carla has really like cracked the idea open here. And Sam is like, you know, he's, he's going for it. He talks like, oh, all we have to do is call information all over the country. Um, and then what I put for this is like as luck or Providence would, Providence would have it, Cliff just so happens to have at home the phone books of every major metropolitan area in the country. <laughs> of course he does. Yeah. Um, which I, I, you know, I really like that one of his strange idiosyncrasies proves of use. I mm-hmm. thought that that was a great inclusion. That he collects, he says he collects phone book cover art. <laughs> yeah, because then um, after, like, you know, presumably the commercial break or whatever, when they're back and they're digging through the phone books for this, um, Norm throws one on the floor and Cliff's in the background on the phone or something and's like, hey, hey, you just bent uh, Sunrise over Albu- over <laughs> Albuquerque or something. Like, yeah. like like it's a piece of art titled art, right. that. And right. um, yeah, that was fun. That was great. Like a one of a kind. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Sam says at this point, he's like, this is going to be fun. They're going to, he even says that. I took note of that. I was like, that's interesting that Sam thinks this is going to be some fun project to divide up the phone books and call everybody over the country and ask if they have a relative named Jacqueline. Basically, mm-hmm. call all the Bissets over <laughs> the country. Um, but yeah, like, I just, Sam thinking it's going to be fun, a fun mm-hmm. project, I think. Right. Was, I, I found that entertaining, at least. Yeah, it, it it is entertaining. This was one point though. I I made a note. I I basically wrote that it's amusing to me, um, but that the idea of of going through all these phone books and narrowing down the list for someone with that name mm-hmm. is somehow going to be a quicker or easier proposition than Sam taking a bet and calling Eddie's bluff, you know, <laughs> you know, the fact that let's not at all try that. Let's not at all see what might happen there. Let's just plunge head into this. And again, it's, it's the point of the episode. And like you said, rightly, it's, you know, kind of toys with the, 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 the extreme, the absurd a little bit on this, but um, right. yeah, it, it was one point I'm like, okay, so this is, this is going to be the, the easier option than just, actually calling up a lawyer and seeing does this guy have a chance and you know but yeah that is a good point the calling up a lawyer point i think would have been would would make sense but i i think that as much as sam has his pride and doesn't want to like he's you know said he didn't want to have to admit in public that he had been drunk he'd rather go through all this trouble yeah 
Right. Well, he'd rather lose the bar than admit he was drunk, he says. But I think he'd mm -hmm. rather go through the trouble, for sure, than risk losing his bar. You know, right. so... That on the emotional side, again, for Sam, it makes sense. And it makes just like the idea that he thinks it's a fun project. It's not like, oh, God, all right, well, we have to do all of this. And then you would <laughs> definitely think, like, why don't you just call a lawyer? But the fact that it's like this thing that they're all doing, you know, I think is, at least for me, it's part of the appeal. Sure. Um, although I, I totally agree that it's still rather ludicrous. Um, and speaking of ludicrous, Carla is in the office calling... She's got a Jacqueline Bissett on the phone, she's a 93-year-old in a rest home in Maine, and she's married, happily married, for 73 years, because Sam asked if they're happy years. Um, that was, you know, a, just a little, a little bit they put in there that didn't have anything to do with the plot, but it was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And then Cliff is on the payphone. He, Cliff really, I have to say, has redeemed himself, I think, in this episode from some of the things that we've seen in the past. I had that exact note written down here. Oh, okay. I really did. I was going to say the exact same thing, especially from the last episode where everyone yes. in the bar is against him and booing him and everything. He's he's made it full circle now. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, because he's not only found someone that has a relative named Jackie Bissett. She's a, a man in Green Bank, West Virginia, has a granddaughter, 26-year-old and unmarried, but he has gotten her, somehow convinced this woman to fly to Boston the next morning and, you know, he told her that she won a trip to Boston on a radio game show. And then, what was it? Like a free suite at the Ritz and free round-trip first-class airfare and a matched set of luggage. Yeah. And I was like, Cliff really, first of all, knows how to wheel and deal. And kind of connive, you know, in a pinch. He's been able mm -hmm. to convince, and like the matched set of luggage part especially. Like, he either watches a lot of game shows or he just can really, like, think on his feet when mm -hmm. convincing people. But... Cliff that, you know, sometimes laments or is made fun of for not having dates was able to convince this woman <laughs> to come to Boston the next morning. I thought right. that that was really fascinating and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He pulled it off. Yeah, he did. So, I, yeah, definitely the here. And he goes and gets her at the airport, explains the whole situation. And this is the part, I think, that I see is where my skepticism creeps in is that she was still willing to come to cheers with him and wasn't completely creeped out and alarmed, even though Cliff had explained to her that she was there to marry someone whom mm -hmm. she had never met, you know? Right. So, <laughs> um, but Sam is sure at this point that this woman, whoever she is, is going to want to marry him. And he wants to wear his best outfit anyway to make a good impression, you know, when he's talking about that. And he, he has this little exchange with Diane Diane, when you dream about me, what am I wearing? And Diane's like, it's an anthill. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. The anthill line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was funny. It was unexpected, I thought. Mm -hmm. response. So, yeah, they're going back and forth about Sam's ex-wife-to-be, and then Cliff comes in with her. And he's carrying the matched set of luggage, so he's already he, set Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when we meet Jackie Bissett who is played by the actress Laurie Walters. Mm -hmm. Best known for, I actually, she is still alive, according to IMDb, but she hasn't acted since the late 90s, um, at least not um, in, in like film or television. Um, and she was a regular on the uh, late 70s, early 80s show, Eight is Enough. I believe mm -hmm. she played one of the daughters on there. Um, looks to be the most prominent role, according to... Uh, 
good old IMDb. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that's that's all I've seen that she's in. I guess some other like you know sitcoms or programs at that time and mm-hmm. so forth. Uh, but I think she just I I think she gives a winning performance as Jackie Bissett in this role. She's a thoroughly likable character. Yeah. You I know. Think so too. Especially yeah. given what she's brought in to do and, and everyone's pretty much ganging up on her to try to convince her to do <laughs> this very big ask, right? I mean, yes. like, this is no small favor. And and in a way, the way they sell it to her, you know, Sam's like, well, you know, that this really wouldn't be a real marriage. You know, we'll get it annulled tomorrow. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, yes, but it still is like a legal thing that goes down in history you know i mean like like right. it's still a thing so you were still married and divorced right <laughs> even if it was right i i did right. find it a little amusing how everyone's like hey this is no big deal this guy's a stand-up guy yeah you don't mm-hmm. know him but come on marry him anyway you know and it's right it's like all right you know and she's not for it initially at all and and makes that clear but she's also not trying to be like a you know, she's trying to be friendly and accommodating about it. Right. Yeah. And she seems, you know, despite her comments at the end about Sam and how he's almost, what was it, like almost as good looking as he thinks he is, you know, but she seems to generally like him and appreciate that he's shown her around Boston and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that, you know. Yeah. Um, I think she's an interesting balance between this like starry eyed country girl in a big city because she completely acts that way. And even her eyes are sort of starstruck. The entire mm-hmm. episode, right. and having a very strong sense of herself at the same time, you know, I thought it was a a good combination for her. Yeah, and even the comments that are made about her kind of go to that from Carla, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she comes in and she's Cliff says something. This is Cheers, and that Sam Malone. She's like, well, he is good looking. <laughs> you know, it's like her first <laughs> remark. Mm-hmm. Um, and, she, you know, she talks about how she isn't marrying anybody except in the usual way. And then she just keeps talking and talking. <laughs> and I I think that this is part of my love of this episode. It's just this great kind of countrified monologue when she says the part about, like, I said to myself, no, Jacobisit. And it's almost like she doesn't even pronounce her entire name. Like, yeah. Nut, and then it's like, nothing like this is ever going to happen to you again. And then she talks about, like... <laughs> Like I kiss my dog and then turns to Sam and is like smiling. Sam, Sam says the dog's name and wave goodbye to my paw. And here I am. I don't mean to make fun of her accent. I just, I thought that that was a golden part. I just can't, I, I don't know. I just thought that was. Perfect. No, and I mean, it's, 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 you know, like I said, it's just, that's her, that's her accent. That's, it's the, right. you know, country girl and that's, and she's very proud of that, you know, and obviously close to her family and. You know, and that's why, like, when Carla comes up there and, and like, you don't talk like that, you know, and I'm like, well, she, she, she does, right? She does. I mean, I don't think she's, like, affecting it. I think that's her real voice, and that's mm-hmm. just who she is. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's like she's just stepped out of the Beverly Hillbillies, though, you know, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the voice and the, just that attitude toward being in the big city. And, like, later she tells Sam it was, like, the best day of her whole life, you know, and, <laughs> Going to see the, what is it, they talk about like going to see the, he's going to take her to the USS Constitution and the Old North Church and Paul Revere's house and all of this. So, mm-hmm. and then like you said, they're all talking about how great Sam is and really anybody would do anything for Sam. And so she agrees to hear him out, you know, which is like, again, like a bit of a stretch, but mm-hmm. I think you know, she's getting, you think, you think she's being swept away in this. Right. Um, yeah. There's a part later, I don't know if we should go ahead and, <laughs> 
<laughs> with Carla's comments and talking about this. Sure. But when Sam and Jackie come back in, and that's when she's talking about how it was the most fun day and so forth, and talks about Boston and how she didn't know Sam was a celebrity. You know, somebody recognized him when they were on the Constitution and so forth. <laughs> and Carla kind of barks at her to cut the chit chat. And she asked Sam, like, is Mamie Yoakum going to marry you or not? Yeah, <laughs> All of that. yeah that was good. Mamie Yoakum. That was hilarious. <laughs> Which I guess is, I've never read Little Abner, but she's a character in Little Abner. So, like, again, the reference to this, like, clan of hillbilly people, you know. Right. Carlos right. just all over that. <laughs> um, that was that was hilarious. And in the midst of this, there's this bit about Norm marveling that all the things that Sam and Jackie Bissett have gone to see are here in, right here in Boston. Oh. Yeah. He's just sitting there guzzling beer. And <laughs> I, I tried to write down some of this exchange, and I didn't get it perfectly, but I liked how they really set this up, you know, and, and, and Diane's interaction with them. He's like, so let me get this straight. You know, thousands of people flock to Boston to soak up the history, blah, 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 and, and everything. And I, I sit here guzzling beer every night, you know. And <laughs> she's like... Um, Again, I don't have it perfectly, but she's like, isn't it, isn't it sad or something? She says there, kind of this knowing, you know, kind of, kind of look. And he's like, well, what would he say? Like they made their choice or they had they their made, choices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no one's forcing them, I think. No one's forcing them. That's yeah. it. Yeah. No. Um, and somewhere in the midst of this, I don't think we mentioned this. There's another little interlude of Cliff making fun of Tom, the lawyer. He's talking about how he was discussing Sam's case with one of his law professors. <laughs> And Cliff, uh-huh. did you get that? Cliff asked if it was before the before the professor scratched himself and ate a banana. Right, right, yeah. You know, and, you know, and, and some of that with Tom, I mean, I, I don't know too much about, I don't know his character from what we've, you know, seen to this point, but obviously he is he is Cliff's punching bag, which, you know, plenty of people use Cliff as a punching bag, so it stands to reason that Cliff should have one, too, you know, he's however gonna, he, right. he's going <laughs> to. But, yeah, he is not not a fan of him. I mean, at least of his, his so-called, you know, being a lawyer or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I thought, like, yeah, I thought Tom was kind of used in a, like, in a funny way in keeping with the other kind of zany characters in the episode. So mm-hmm. I like that. And so, you know, Sam and Carla and Jackie are discussing whether or not she's going to marry Sam. And Jackie's talking about how her she always thought her wedding day would be something beautiful and special. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Norm is saying it's going to be because they're going to have it right there in the bar. <laughs> no. So they're talking about that. Um, Jackie... She says she was raised to believe you should always help people when you can, so she's going to marry Sam. Like, she comes to that conclusion. Um, which, again, like, it's unbelievable, but, again, she's a little bit of an unbelievable character in some ways, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess you have to go with that. Right. But she wants to she wants to call her pa to let him know. Yep. Yeah. Um, so then... They're waiting on the justice of the peace. There's this whole, it kind of switches. It's interesting because the episode kind of switches its focus a number of times, I think. And mm-hmm. I can't tell if that's a strength or a weakness or just, you know, just the way it goes. Because at this point, we kind of switch over to the story about the justice of the peace running late. And, you know, because he's having, his wife is having a baby. 
Did you have anything about this? So um, we were talking before the episode, and I had not remembered that we'd seen this guy before, Justice Fielder. It was the same character from the season one episode, um, Something Borrowed, Something Blue. No, is that what it's? No, it's called Something Single, Something Blue. Something Someone Single, Some. Wait, Someone Single, Someone Blue. We are butchering it. <laughs> but that episode, that episode, it has the word single and blue in it. Uh, <laughs> Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he was the same character from that episode, and I didn't realize that at the time when I was watching this. So that was kind yeah. of kind of cool, right? Because he pres- he presided over the marriage that did not go through between Sam and Diane when they were going to get married. So that because right. remember that they, right. they, she had to get married by a certain date, um, in order to preserve yeah. Diane's mother's fortune. Yes, and now. Sam has to get married by a certain date to preserve his ownership of the bar. So it's like Mm -hmm. the same quirky justice of the peace is coming back for yet another (laughs) arranged marriage. And that's clever. That's a Mm -hmm. clever setup that they were able to bring back the same guy and and in a similar circumstance. Yeah, I thought so too. I like the way that that connects. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but there one, oh, go ahead. We're going to say something. Well, I was going to say this uh, again. When I was watching this, I had forgotten that this was the same justice um, that was in that episode. So he's going on and on about his wife, you know, just had a baby. And he's obviously proud and happy about that. But Carla is like, shut up and let's get on with the show. We don't want to hear about your kid, you know. (laughs) And it was a little harsh and everything. But he brings that point up, his miracle baby, he says a couple times. Yeah. And he's just brimming with excitement, almost like that happy glow in his eyes that Jackie Bissett has, except it's about like this, like, I'm the father of the miracle baby. And he's talking about how much it weighs and, you know, right, right. it's a, by the way, it's a boy. <laughs> they're trying to discuss what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I just thought he was a, I don't know. I thought he was a fun addition to the episode. He is. He is fun. And like I said, I, you know, now that I remember he was in that episode, I almost want to go back and watch that to compare his characterization there and here. Right. Because I, I don't remember too much about him in that episode. You know, I don't right. remember these little, like, it, I think it's like what he's saying and then Carla's responses and her eye rolling and all of that, you know, mm-hmm. and then just that he's sort of out of touch with what's going on in the bar because he's telling him all about <laughs> By the way, I'm the father of the miracle baby and just bragging, right. or not even bragging, but carrying on like a new father, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also learn um, in this that Norm is a minister. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah. He's With the, what was it, the Church of the Desert or something? <laughs> <laughs> the Church of the Living Desert. The Living Desert. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he says he he answered an ad in the back of Rolling Stone in the 60s. And then he goes on about how um, he and some of his friends in the accounting club were getting high-smelling adding machine ribbons. (laughs) 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 I could just, I I like that image of Norm. Mm -hmm. He was in the accounting club. And did you notice he had, there's this little like side joke. He's like, he said it seemed funny at the time. And he's like, of course, in that state, even this business, and he does like the little interlocking finger wiggle. Uh-huh. Used to yeah. seem funny. And then, <laughs> and then Sam's like, huh. <laughs> like Sam's actually genuinely amused by it. Right. There's like this pause because it's really not that funny. It's just like, oh, okay. And then Sam just starts laughing. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I like. I don't know. I again. I think that that's a little bit absurd too. So I like that. Um, so yeah, Carla basically is like trying to hurry everything up, hurry the wedding up, and she tells the you know it's like here's your pulpit, points to this, the stool for the justice for Justice Fiedler. Um, and then Eddie's coming in in the midst of all of this, and Sam tells him he's about to marry Jacqueline Bissett. And mm-hmm. um, Diane and Carla are supporting Sam. You know, I like that. Like, I like that everybody in the bar is kind of on the same page about this. Like, it's one big story through the whole thing, and they're all contributing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sam is saying, like, she's marrying a woman named Jacqueline Bissett. But he's, she's got the ID to prove it, all of this. Yeah, And then that's when we have this whole scenario about Eddie really probably not wanting to take on the bar, but he had an arrangement in mind. So he's essentially, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you would call it, it's not blackmail, I don't know what you would call it, but he's trying to goad Sam into giving him money. Um, and then he kind of scales down when Sam says no. Like Sam's very confident of himself at this point. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, you know, Eddie's talking about how it would be unnecessary for Sam to, to do. You don't have to go to the trouble of doing this, of marrying her, you know. And he wants free drinks for him and his date for the rest of his life. And then, you know, just a, what was it, like for the year and then just one drink. And Sam says right. no. He's and not given he asks, an inch. <laughs> no, not at all. Except for that, like, olive with the pimento. At the very yeah, end. yeah, he'll he give him that. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Carla kind of has taken a liking to Eddie. She said something about, like, I want to see what would go out with him. Besides me, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what? He grows on you. <laughs> right. Right. He does kind of seem like somebody that Carla might be interested in. in that he way. really does, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I they're going to end up together. <laughs> it's completely plausible. <laughs> right. Um, and so Eddie leaves. And, of course, we haven't even mentioned at this point that Eddie is played by Michael Richards of mm. Sein, great fame from Seinfeld, fame around Seinfeld. Um, and, I, you know, I haven't really paid attention to too much of the rest of his career, but I think that he's one of the notable actors on Cheers that went on to be quite famous afterwards, but, mm-hmm. you know, had a, a guest spot on Cheers, notable guest spot on Cheers earlier on. Yeah, and this was a few years before Seinfeld launched, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think Seinfeld yeah. hit in like what, 89, I think it was, or 90 maybe. But um, yeah, yeah, no, definitely his most famous role ever. Um, and, mm-hmm. and then and since, so. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, to me, cause I think there's a lot of fanfare around Michael Richards being in this episode. And I think that he does a very good job. But to me, in terms of like the guest actors, it's... Laurie Walters, it's Jackie Bissett, <laughs> really carries that, carries the episode in a way. I think had that character, had she not pulled that off, I think the episode wouldn't have worked as well as it, in my opinion, does work, you know, for what it is. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though she's, you know, not famous, and he is, to me, it's kind of her episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but Sam has to break it off with her because he doesn't have to doesn't have to marry her. You know, he thinks it's going to be fine because she didn't really want to do it anyway. And turns out he's right. You know, he is correct about her. You know, being fine and so forth. But Diane, this is, I think it introduces this interesting element of Diane thinking. You know, how, how could her head not be turned? And she's this simple country girl. And um, 
her head has been turned by this celebrity and so forth. Mm-hmm. Which really is, you know, pretty in keeping, I would say, for, for Diane, in a way, to have that thought. Um, and so she, Jackie comes out of the office and talks about how she told her pa all about this. And he's a baseball fan, and he remembers Sam, sort of. Sort know? of. Yeah. I think that that's mm-hmm. the kind of celebrity that Sam was, like someone that you know, sort of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sam asks Diane to talk to Jackie, and he tells her, like, she's a little smarter than he is. Yeah. And she's like, I'm a lot smarter than you are. This napkin is a little smarter. <laughs> <laughs> right. She's just not letting him have an inch. No. 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 Um, and then this last scene, when Diane is, like, very tenderly explaining that the bed has been called off, and she just... A little bit sad and so forth and he's an attractive man weren't you falling for him just a little bit and you know Jackie is even though she was sort of externally starstruck in some ways by her whole experience like she's still very grounded you know Mm -hmm. that's the part where she says like he's almost attractive as he thinks he is and Mm -hmm. how he complimented himself all day and so forth yeah Um, and they, they like each other. <laughs> Even like Jack is like, I like you too, Diane. You know? <laughs> um, and then Jackie wants to know, like, well, what type of person would date Sam? It must be somebody that's lacking in self-respect. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Sam comes over and refers to Diane as like this little filly. And he's kind of like cozy, not cozying up to her, but he's like, for a whole year, this little filly and I... <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Diane does something to just like drop him to the ground and then pours Jackie another cup of tea. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, Jackie is definitely a grounded, wise, beyond her years kind of character, I, th- I felt like. And right. for me, was definitely the best guest star of, well, for the episode, definitely. Michael Richards is good, but they don't really give him a whole lot to do. Like, he right. doesn't get a lot of comedic range at all, you know, really. He's a pretty straight character in terms of, you know, doesn't have any real good lines. He's basically an extortionist, and, you know, this mm-hmm. is what he's doing. Um, right. But she, you know, is definitely a little more developed, I think. I think so, too. And I mm-hmm. think that... I do agree that Michael Richards did a really good job, but I think that that's a role that a number of people could have successfully played. I don't know that that many people could have really played the Jackie character as well as she did. Um, Just in its particularities, you know, just having that kind of like that, that perpetual wide eyed look and that like the Carla describing her as like Mammy Yoakum, you know, I just, I thought she was fantastic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, I really, I like the episode. I feel like the characters are, the three guest characters, you know, Eddie and Jackie and the Justice of Peace Fiedler, they're a little bit, like, a little more off kilter than anybody else at Cheers. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, that's kind of an interesting introduction into the bar of all of them. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I just think it's fun. And I, sure. I, I, like I said at the beginning, I like that it goes from this, sort of addressing Sam's alcoholic relapse and then turns into something that's like really on the cusp of being a farce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good word for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And I, you know, 
it's not by no means is it a bad episode i it, it you know even though the premise may be a little a little stretched a little far-fetched i think for me mm-hmm. that and that was a little bit distracting because in my mind i kept thinking okay this you know this guy's it, it's so clear what he's trying to do that that why are you not seeing this and why are we right. going through all these 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 steps and everything to try to you know make this happen but um but there's definitely some great parts in it and and you know talking through it has actually clarified to me a little bit more about you know like what you like about it and and seeing some of the 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 strong parts really um mm-hmm. there's some some great lines and i i do think that it, the um laurie walters does great in the role um and and justice fiedler is just eccentric and offbeat enough he's not in very much of it at all but he's fully used and um you know it's it's a solid episode it really is um you know i think it's one of those where like you said you you just you know it's 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 just off enough you know eccentric enough bordering on the absurd that you kind of just go for it and see what happens you know and and that's i'm willing to try that you know it's it's good That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stemme and Andy Blaker. How is your evening going so far, Andy? It's going all right. How about you? Oh, pretty much the same. Thank you. Um, We're getting, you know, making our way toward the end of season three of Cheers. We are now on episode 19 of the third season. This one is titled Behind Every Great Man. It was written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired on February 21st, 1985. And the episode summary is that Sam is very interested in a reporter that comes to tears working on a magazine article on Boston's singles scene. After his overt and rather obnoxious come-ons don't work, Sam tries to woo the woman with art knowledge that he's learned from Diane. A jealous Frazier believes that Sam is trying to win back Diane, an idea that gains some merit when Diane mistakes Sam's overture for her to work behind the bar while he's on a weekend away with his new lady friend for an invitation for her to join him on that weekend. So we start with a teaser, and the teaser is essentially that the keg is dry. Norm has ordered another beer, and the tap is dry. So we have the changing of the beer tap to which... The guy's hum taps <laughs> the, the song. Makes um, me think of that phrase, changing of the guard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does, really. And they all stand, you know, all these people that sit on their bar stools all the time, stand up and follow him as he takes the empty keg over to that closet, you know, that's by the staircase. And um, 
Sam pulls out another keg and he rolls it back over to the bar to install it while the, ga- the guys hum hail to the chief. And Norm weeps as the new keg comes in. <laughs> <laughs> so what, was, what, what did you get from this teaser? I, I, I liked it. Um, it was a bit hammy, but I, right. I enjoyed it for yeah. what it was. I did too. It was just I thought it was just fun. It's hammy, but it's just kind of fun. It, I think Sam's kind of annoyance with the guys. Like, do we have to do this every time? You know, so they, mm-hmm. you know that this is a routine. I think that made it kind of fun too. Yeah. So when we get to the episode, um, Sam, the first thing off is that Sam has received a letter from Coach, who's at a family reunion. And this is almost a subplot, not really, but it's because it's just a story, but there's not, you know, a big subplot in the episode, but this is sort of a little bit of a plot in itself, it seems like. Mm-hmm. It's just that Sam is reporting that, you know, he's gotten this letter from Coach, he's at the family reunion, and Coach has sent photos. Um, so Cliff and Carla are noticing that Coach is the only person in the photo that is not black. And Sam is, you know, talking about how Coach was sent an invitation by mistake and didn't want to hurt everyone's feelings by not showing up. And then apparently, you know, this was six or seven years ago, because Carla says that it looks like they accepted him. And then Sam's like, yeah, he's been going for the last six or seven years. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that they were even thinking of having, I think, the next one at Coach's place and so forth. And he signed his letter to the gang with Uncle Whitey. So I I thought it (laughs) it was a creative way to explain his absence and something that was sort of in keeping with something that Coach would do, I thought. Absolutely. It's a very coach very coach move. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked that. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, and then Norm comes in. He's, you know, his dinner hasn't settled yet. And Sam surmises that he's, he's eating at the Hungry Heifer again. So the Hungry Heifer is coming back into play for Norm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a part later when he's actually taking Cliff over there as well. And they talk yeah. about the food that they've had. Um, wasn't it like the 100% choice Beth. Beth, <laughs> yes, that? Beth. Mm-hmm. And, yep. And, and then he talks about, yeah, exactly what it is. It's like some sort of uh, synthetic. He uses all these adjectives, uh, mm-hmm. a meat-like substance. <laughs> and, then he's, and then he himself had uh, the loopster, I think it was, right. or, or something right. like that. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. So I like that. I like that there's another place that Norm frequents as well. It's kind of funny. Right. Yeah. So Cliff notices this attractive woman come in the door and he's putting on his kind of like lascivious act. You know, he's making all these comments about how she's going to be the, what was it? Like the next notch in his, notch in his, his bed, bed post. post. Yeah. Uh-huh. His bed post. Yeah. And he's carrying on and the woman comes over and introduces herself as Paula Nelson. And we kind of have, you know, almost like a, another instance of Norman Cliff some of their past behavior on women where they can't speak and they're making fools of themselves, except Norm is calm. Norm's fine through this. Mm-hmm. But Cliff can't pronounce his name. Um, and he's not really said anything the whole time. And the woman asks Norm <laughs> if she can buy Norm and your immigrant friend a beer. Yeah, I liked that line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and Cliff pretty much throughout this entire exchange makes a fool of himself and even after they go across to the other side of the bar he's still carrying on about how she was going to be his next conquest essentially you know Mm -hmm. so she says that she's a reporter for the boston scene magazine and she's there looking for information on the single scene in boston 
And then Carla, who I think plays kind of a little bit of an interesting role in this episode. First, she jumps in and she's dismissive of Norman Cliff, kind of tells him to get out. And I noticed that Norm walks away with two beers. So he had the beer from before, and I guess the one Paula bought him. Um, of course. Yeah. No, nope. I like that little touch. <laughs> I know. That. That's he's in two hands. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Carla is pitching Sam as the person to whom Paula should speak about the single scene and says he'll even make her bref- breakfast afterwards and so forth. So she's really playing up Sam, you know, promoting mm-hmm. him. And when he comes out, Sam comes out of the office and he meets Paula and um, says that basically to the, says something to the effect that he's the major allure of the single scene in Boston. Mm-hmm. So, and then Cliff and Norm are across the bar and they're discussing whether or not Sam is going to win this one, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so th- this first meeting was not very propitious, I didn't think. It's the first meeting of Sam and Paula. No, what did you think? no, he he doesn't. I mean, it's interesting how they set it up because she's obviously very tough um, and kind of walks in, you know, expecting what you know she gets with with him, and he mm-hmm. kind of just, you know, I think she expects that he's going to behave this way, and he does, and and he's kind of just laying it on real thick and uh, it it was awkward you know I Mm -hmm. uh, will talk about this at the end but his whole behavior toward her in this episode was I don't know if it's nothing if it's anything we haven't seen before Mm. um but it seems like it's just so much more intense um in this episode and it reminded me of his behavior and I can't remember the episode but we had an episode earlier this season um, where uh, he, oh, oh, the episode where Coach and this older woman get together. He he proposes right. to her and her daughter, Sam tries to get with her daughter and she rejects him roundly and he doesn't understand why. You remember that episode? Yes, I do. Yeah. It reminds me of his behavior there. Like he's just completely blindsided and offended by the fact that one woman wouldn't see, you know, want him. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like incessantly pursuing her to the point it becomes like this obsession. That's right. what it reminded me of. Right. And it's, yeah, it's pretty annoying. And I think that even Carla says something about how Sam wants the ones that he can't have. There's something in the later in the episode when she makes that comment. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sam sort of, he switches tactics and starts saying that he's just trying to give her examples, you know, of the things that people say, that guys say in bars to pick up women. Yeah. And... He, this quote, his big quote, is if it weren't for all the people that say they never come to singles bars, singles bars would be out of business. Mm-hmm. And she seems fairly impressed by this, and she seems to accept his explanation for his behavior as well, which I thought was a bit naive of her. Yeah. I mean, she comes off so strong, and it's like within, you know, a matter of minutes, she's just like molded completely to his, you know, his, his act. Right. <laughs> Right, because he asks her even about going up. He's gonna, you know, give her some interview quotes and so forth, and they're gonna go up to Melville's for a bouillabaisse. And she's kind of flirty when she's like, "Well, I like bouillabaisse." <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so that's a right. very quick. Switch. It's a very abrupt. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. Yeah, and then, but after she's after he says the quote about singles bars, Norm picks up on this and asks if Diane had said that. He recognizes it as something that Diane had said, and Carla <laughs> has this great line. I thought, like, when you talk all the time, you're bound to say everything eventually. Right. <laughs> so that's. I thought that that was a pretty good start to this whole idea that Sam is going to be essentially using Diane's knowledge and her, you know, verbal capacity to 
win Paula over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it sets the stage and we can kind of see that coming. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Norm and Cliff, of course, are like delighted. They're cheering as they can, Sam and Paula go upstairs <laughs> into Melville's. It's their personal victory, right? Right, right. It's like their team, you know, is yeah. scoring. Um, and this person, so Paula Nelson is played by an actress named Allison LaPlaca. Mm-hmm. And I think that we had like a little bit on her. Yeah, she's, um, her heyday was the late 80s, early to mid 90s. She mostly for her roles in a various, uh, various sitcoms. I'm looking here on the great old IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheers was an early role for her, actually. Um, from there, um, she was a lead on, I believe a lead, on a show in the mid, late 80s called Duet. She was uh, in a sitcom called Open House, which was, it looks like, a very early um, show for the Fox Network shortly after um, Fox hit off back in the days of like Married with Children and all that. Oh, yeah. um, she did two sitcoms in the mid 90s with the comedian Tom Arnold. Uh, she was a regular on the Jackie Thomas show um, and then a follow up sitcom known as Tom. Uh, and then uh, in the mid 90s as well, she was a regular on the John Larroquette show. Um, which I think was on NBC. So those are probably the roles that are she's most known for. She also she recurred a few times on the show Friends, um, oh, okay. and um, yeah. And then since then, it's been kind of a variety of guest stars on some real popular shows. So she's definitely one of those where it's you know you'll probably know the face more than anything. Right, that makes sense. She kind of like made her way through some of the NBC shows. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 So, meanwhile, Sam is asking the people in the bar if they remember anything diana said about impressionism because not or put sorry because paula likes french impressionists mm-hmm. and apparently sam has been throwing out dianisms to paula you know he's figured that this is a, a winning strategy um and at this point diane comes in we haven't seen her yet in the episode she's really not been present until this point you know yeah, and you know, actually, when I watched this first episode through, I kind of wondered if she was going to be in this episode because, again, it's really not all that much time in the scheme of things, but, you know, usually mm-hmm. you get her in the first act and she wasn't right. there at all. So I right. remember thinking to myself, maybe, I again, I knew nothing about the episode, so I wondered if she was, you know, out for this episode or something as happens now, but there she was. Right. Right. <laughs> and she's, yeah, she's not a part at all and then becomes kind of a, you know, a major part going right. forward toward the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but she comes out and she's talking to Sam about how she was all too brief, she says, in responding <laughs> in to his inquiry about Cezanne. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam is taking notes on the bar as Diane's talking. Um, and she's just, of course, delighted by Sam's newfound interest in the arts. And she wants to think that if, you know, it's because of her and so forth. So she's already thinking that this is because of her. But it's, I mean, it's fairly innocent. She just thinks he's interested in it, you know, at this point. Um, and then there's a moment when Sam is trying to copy the bar notes onto a piece of paper and Norm helps him spell Renaissance, which I liked. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I that was, cause it's like, you, you know that Norm has more knowledge than he lets on and he just probably lends it out once in a while as he sits there is what it seemed like to me. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Sam used the phrase hot irony. He talks about how it's a hot irony to use Diane's brain to get another woman's body. I thought that that was an interesting take from Sam, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he he very much seems very um i don't know uh, you know kind of what i said earlier he's he's almost comes across as kind of callous mm-hmm. you know this whole this whole episode this whole way he's going um i i want to go back real quick because uh yeah. diane did have a line that i wrote down um there weren't for me there weren't any huge like laugh out loud quotable lines from this episode for me but right. one i did write was um when um Diane is is talking to Sam and says, well, you know, about Cezanne and his backgrounds and says, um, as when he was, as you put it, goofed on skunkweed. (laughs) I I liked that. I like how they juxtapose that with her, you know, this academic artsy conversation and then some sort of slang language like that. Yeah. And that you know that he had seen it with her and made that kind of comment, you know. And then one other line I noted, which which I, I, I think ties in, you know, we've we've made fun of Diane for her common man and, you mm-hmm. know, all those kinds of phrases. Carla had a great line earlier when she's talking to Sam, you know, Carla originally kind of a wingman for him when we have um, Paula first come in the bar. She's yes. kind of like, you know, give it up, Sam, give it up. You're not, you know, just let it drop. And she said just something like, I can't remember the exact line, but face it, you're just part of us, the great unwashed. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. I, yeah. I wrote that out because I thought that tied in perfectly with our ongoing thesis argument about um, Diane and her <laughs> her academic, you know, snobbery or whatever. Absolutely. The yeah. The, like Because Paula, I think Carla, this is something I thought was like an interesting point for the episode is that how Carla changes because she is, as you said, like sort of the wingman at the beginning and she's recruiting Paula basically for Sam, you know. Mm-hmm. And then she changes like a number of times, you know. she's First she's like, you know, tell Sam like, that he is one of the, he's just like us, one of the great unwashed, you know, to separate people like Paula and Diane, you know, from them. And then later on, she talks about how she doesn't like her and all of this, which leads into the sort of the subterfuge and the mistaken intent with the conversation on Diane's part. Um, but then, yeah, that's a great point, too, of this ongoing idea that um, that they are really just like the common people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also liked when Sam goes up to Diane. He's like, how about those pointillists? <laughs> and Diane says that Surratt was the finest naturalist of his time. And Sam, his reply, like, boy, you and me both, sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got some good uh, responses to some of hers. There's one. Um, I, I skips ahead a little bit, but I don't think okay. it's really material. But she... Um, Oh, he comes out with the book when she's talking with Fraser and everything back and forth and says... Um, this, this Reuben, is that the guy that invented the sandwich? You know, the, the Reuben sandwich. And then has a line, something about, um, I was wondering, because some of these, the, the women he paints look like they really put away the groceries. <laughs> it's terrible. It was tuck away the groceries. That's right. Tuck away the groceries. Because that word that's was right. so, <laughs> yes. just like an unusual word choice but yeah that's right But how he delivers that line how he Mm -hmm. delivers it you know looking back down at the book how already walking off it was i don't know i enjoyed that delivery that was really good that was a good line and then the fact that he thought that that was the case he kind of put together the women in the painting looked like that so maybe this guy was the inventor of that sandwich right that was funny it's that's kind of in that same scene when fraser comes in it's kind of introduces this new element to the whole episode when Fraser comes in and he's clearly peeved when he comes in. Diane is also looking sort of angry and he announces that he's off to the fetish seminar mm-hmm. and she's angry that he's going to yet another seminar. 
And, you know, Fraser's talking about this is the most demanding relationship he's ever had. And they're fighting back and forth when Sam comes out of the office to ask Diane how to pronounce what she says is Giverny. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she's kind of holding that over Fraser. I thought she's kind of haughtily explaining to Fraser that Sam is developing an interest in the Impressionists. Yes. You know, um, so she's pleased with Sam when she's peeved at Fraser, which makes Fraser quickly suspicious. Um, and then he gets on this cycle about how it's part of Sam's plan to win her back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because it's about the arts that Diane finds him cynical, you know, um, because she, you know, thinks that anyone, of course, probably even the great unwashed, could learn to love the Impressionists. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Fraser leaves. He's still fighting with Diane. So they're definitely at odds at this yeah. point. And that was pretty much, I, I mean, Fraser's contribution to the episode, I think, is sort of pushing that interpretation that Sam is trying to win Diane back and to show that there's this rift that she's had with Fraser. One of the things... Um, I, we've seen this t- on a very small scale before, but I, I really noticed it in this episode. Again, you only have Fre- Frazier here for a, a brief scene, but um, he has like this, and maybe I'm just incredibly slow kind of now catching on to this, but do you see at this point in the show, that, do you think he kind of has this this emotional, I don't know what the word's going to be, overreaction at times like like where it becomes like almost theatrical um he hands her his phone number Mm -hmm. uh, before he leaves and says you know you can call me at this number and she wads it up and throws it and all of a sudden he's like you'll rue the day you know (laughs) right (laughs) and it's just it seems so out of context with it but it got a big laugh so i don't know if i'm just now catching on to it and i'm just really slow with that pickup but um i don't know i feel like i've noticed that earlier in some other scenes where it's like he just one little thing can kind of push him up elevate him above you know what's what's a rational reaction for Mm -hmm. all his you know psychiatric advice and cool calm academic collected nature and then it's those little moments where he kind of just blows up right you know no i think that's on the mark (laughs) the thing that immediately comes to mind to me is in diane's allergy with the dog Mm. um with little pavlov there are a lot Mm -hmm. of points in that when he just pretty much you can almost you can see that he's at the brink of being upset, but then he just blows up, you know, right. when something's said or when Diane's sneezing or whatever, you know, all of the things that Sam is saying about renaming the dog Diane. He just he does <laughs> become hyper dramatic, I think. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's just his character. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that that's sort of the dramatic way that Frazier behaves, the overly dramatic way that he behaves. And I don't think it's completely different from. Diane. I think it just comes across maybe a little more severely. Oh, yeah. No, Diane definitely has that. I guess we've seen her a little longer than him. So by now True. it's kind of just part of her her quirky nature. But you're right. I mean, they both have it to varying degrees. Yeah. And he's more explosive, too, like in this. Ruse the day. Ruse the day. Yeah. So Carla, around this time, is telling Sam to give up on that egghead. Doesn't it say her by name because she's talking about Paula Mm -hmm. and you know the whole structure of the conversation is Carla saying that this didn't work before it's not going to work now and Mm -hmm. Sam is saying this time he's going to do it right and so forth so then we kind of cut to Diane she was I guess leaned over behind the bar to get something and is listening so then of course she stays crouched down 
And Sam is saying, yeah. like, as soon as that woman walked through this bar, I've wanted her and so forth. And Carla's arguing that she doesn't like her. Which, of course, I mean, in Diane's mind, I could see why that part from Carla would probably make her think that it was about her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like her. Right. Um, and Sam is saying nothing's going to stop him and so forth. So Diane thinks that Sam wants her. And mm-hmm. he's just being very passionate about it. And Sam is just on a conquest. You know, there's not even that much or any emotion to it, I would say. But Diane is reading all of that into it. Right. Oh, yeah. I liked this little scene here. Um, you know, it's it's a pretty common technique that they use in, you know, different sitcoms. But mm-hmm. um, this was the first time that really stood out to me here. Um, I'm sure it's not the first time we've seen it in the show, period. Right. But it, it, where it's used to such a large degree, it kind of reminds me of, um, I'm not sure if you've ever seen Three's Company. I have, but it's been quite a long time. Yeah, me too. I always enjoyed that show. And this was the sort of situation that would happen a lot with people overhearing things and Mm -hmm. double entendres like every other scene. And, and, you know, it's it's very farcical. And and in Mm -hmm. this, I don't know if this is quite to that. It's well, it's nowhere near to that degree, but it is a little bit farcical where it kind of, you know, determines the course of the episode and. It's all based on this one misunderstanding and and everything. So I enjoyed this scene. Yeah, that makes sense. I could see that. I could see Three's Company being far more farcical and how they would, you know, take that and so forth. And it would all become more farcical. Whereas this, I think it's like the misunderstanding. It's kind of, like you said, it's all based on that, but it's kind of Mm -hmm. contained. You know, at least right. Oh, yeah. It's much more realistic. This much more realistic than some of the situations from the other show. But um, yeah. That's a great call, though, I think. Um, so Diane is sort of behaving, I describe it as coquettishly. You know, she's sort of flirty and mm-hmm. telling Sam that he, to let her know if there's anything more she can do to further stimulate and arouse his interest in arts. <laughs> she's using, like, all these very, uh-huh. you know, sexualized yeah. words and so forth. Um, and he's puzzled, but... Sam just kind of, I think, takes people as they are. Like, Diane's just behaving strangely today. Later on, he's like, you've been acting strange lately. But, you know, he just kind of takes it at face value, I think. And then this gets to the next part. It's kind of the, a replay of the bar scene, except Diane is in the storage area getting a bottle of wine. We don't know this at the time. Sam is making a reservation for a room. And he references a prior visit with Diane in order to request the same room. And again, like, the conversation... Does, there's nothing in it that would dissuade Diane from thinking that, you know, that her interpretation is correct and that Sam is going to want to take her away for the weekend to this place that they had been previously. I really, I actually thought that it was very, um, I, I could, I could believe it. I could, especially this time, um, because, mm. you know, he's like, well, remember me with that, the, the tall, pretty blonde or whatever he said to the person on the phone and, yeah. ma- you know, magical to strike twice. I mean that, I don't know. It got mm-hmm. me. I, I really thought that that was much more like, you know, uh, believable, I guess that, that she would assume that that is based on all this, you know, again, misunderstanding that she's already had, but, yeah. um, and then, and then what's interesting is, you know, she comes out and she's got the wine, the corkscrew and all that. And, and, and she's just like the look on her face. She's just, it's not, excited doesn't do it justice. It's, it's, it's hopeful. It's, mm-hmm. you know, um, wistful. I don't know. I'm trying to throw any adjective in here. But it, it's very interesting how, how rapidly her whole demeanor changes and her whole thought about 
the two of them together, you know, mm-hmm. especially given where they, where she is in her relationship with Frasier. So I don't know. It is very interesting. And we can talk more about that at the end. Yeah. Because um, I have some thoughts on that with the, in terms of Frasier as well. But I, sure. I, I agree that look on her face is just this like almost wonderment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think so. I agree with you as well. That the, when he said something about like the same, what was it? The same magic would happen, you know, I mean, that's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty on the nose, I guess, you know, yeah. it seems like it would be that same person if he's describing it that way. Right. And I mean, he's just not thinking, you know, that's just the best reference he has, but I could, <laughs> I, I don't think that that's Dan, Diane necessarily overthinking it as she usually does. Mm-hmm. No. Right. So Sam's going away and um, Carla does not want to man the bar while Sam's gone because she says she gets her best tips during her third trimester. And of course mm-hmm. we know that Carla is pregnant. And so Sam is considering Diane. Carla says Diane is a worse bartender than she's a waitress. And she also mentions that she hated it the one time she tried it. Um, so that kind of sets up that Diane has tried bartending before and apparently didn't go so well. Um, I think it's interesting that Sam is sensitive to that when he's asking her to keep the bar over the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that's what comes across right from him in this conversation. Um, he's, you know, he starts by saying it's tough to ask Diane what he needs to ask her. And she's got that little, that sort of blow. <laughs> you know, she's saying uh-huh. that she knows what he's going to ask. And she overheard his conversation about this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but even then, I mean, he, she doesn't, or he doesn't know that she's interpreting it the way that she is, of course. Um, right. And I, I assume that he thinks that she overheard what he and Carla were talking about in terms of her hating bartending, not the other conversation about uh, the woman, you know. Um, and he has a lot of, I thought that there were funny lines in this. He said something about the first time I tried this, it didn't turn out too hot, you know, but he's saying it kind of casually. He's like, well, I take mm-hmm. full responsibility for that. And how things will be better this time now that you know where everything is. Uh, (laughs) Which I thought was probably my favorite part. Um, Her and her um, Shelley Long's face and acting here. She's like, uh, like you can tell, like hesitancy, like what? Okay, you know. But ultimately, she goes along with it, and she's like, I guess you're right. That's uh, yeah, true. That's true. (laughs) Uh, Um, and then it just go keeps going and she likes this weekend. Maybe they can talk about making it permanent, you know, and she is just so overwhelmed by this as Diane gets to be very quickly, you know, we know, just, well, I don't remember what she says at this point, but she's just flustered basically. Mm-hmm. So overwhelmed. Right. And I started thinking at this point too, like Sam would kind of, I think he would be a good boss. It's like, if she really likes this, like let's let her have more chances to bartend, you know, and trying to make her feel comfortable in that job and you know appreciating her helping him out and so forth he's just it seems like he'd be very accommodating um Mm -hmm. and diane's in a whole other world she's just stunned (laughs) um and sam is confused and then i think what does he say about like not to be nervous after first couple drinks she'll relax and get into it and he thinks she'll actually enjoy it you know um and he tells her not to worry he's fully insured in case she breaks anything so there were some (laughs) Some parts in there that were just, you know, you, a person that's not as overwhelmed as Diane might question why he's saying right. things he's saying. Right. No. No. Um, but I, I liked that scene. I think it's one, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen things like that before, as you mentioned, and it reminds me of the season one episode, Endless Slumper, when the baseball player has been told about 
meditation and also coaches recommended sex and they had that conversation um sam or sorry diane and the the baseball player having that conversation and they're sort of at cross purposes in the discussion and sam is just laughing about it do you remember what I'm talking about? Like when you're talking about, I like, think so. it's yeah. like I always enjoy doing it outside, and sometimes people yes, yes, even join in. Yeah, and he's that's like, right. Quiet, you know, yeah. This reminded yeah. me of that, but I still think it's the lines are so funny, and I think it's well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so of course, for the sort of ultimate scene, Diane and Paula both come in with their luggage at the same time because Sam has set the time. He's leaving, and they both think they're going with him. And they're making all this small talk about where they're going and so forth. Um, and I don't know. I feel like it's something about Paula's character. She's just the man she's going away with acts like a big dumb jerk sometimes, and then he'll say something intelligent. So that's, you know. I, yeah. I just, maybe I'm sure that it's partially me, but I just think as a character, it would be a very strange decision to make to go away for the week- weekend with a man that only occasionally says something somewhat intelligent you know <laughs> right right but yeah yeah it, it does again it, back to the portrayal of you know when when her first scene when she just comes in and you know sam and her first have their scene and she's very she's she's very much a hard hard ass really i mean she you know right. she's not putting up with them at all and um you know, I, I kind of liked that character part. And then mm-hmm. you lose that within the same scene. Um, by the time he's worn her down and taken her up to Melville's and then here again in this scene, you know? And it's just right. kind of like, I don't know. The character changes so quickly over the span of, you know, 10 minutes. Because <laughs> right. she's really not in the episode much. I mean, right? She's in the first scene there and then um, this last part. So right. it, it's... You really don't have her for very long, but in that short time, she kind of does a 180. That's what I thought, too. And she seemed like she was going to be a major character at the beginning, and of course, like, Diane's not in the episode, and then when Diane comes into the episode, there's no Paula until that last scene. And I get why they did that, but I just, for some reason, narratively, it's a little bit, like, like a little bit of a different episode. Mm -hmm. And I think that also is because of that change in her character. And it didn't take much on Sam's part, you know. She did seem to kind of give in rather easily. Yeah, yeah, no. exactly. No. Um, and Diane is saying, telling her she might be making the, the, she herself, Diane, might be making the biggest mistake of her life. And she's talking about how she's seeing an eminent psychiatrist, um, which Paula mistakes for her actually being in therapy. But she's like, no, she's dating him. She has to mention he's an eminent psychiatrist, you know. Eminent, eminent, not just a fly by night, you know. Right. Uh, mediocre, right. you know, he's eminent. <laughs> right. People know him. Mm hmm. Right, so she is also important because of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she's, you know, maybe giving up that for a relationship. Its primary appeal was its danger, you know, that's what she says. This is random. I want to come back to that point, definitely. But yeah. um, this, uh, just a random thing that I thought when I watched this. Um, she talks about, you know, um, I think it's another episode coming up, I think, where, you know, my paramour and all this, you know, she, she just puts him on this total pedestal <laughs> yeah. and he's imminent and therefore this assumption that I'm important. And, you know, what I think is so funny, which obviously she's not going to lead with this, but the fact mm-hmm. that they met when she was committed to a psychiatric facility just kills me they, yeah. you know they didn't meet on the lecture circuit you know they met when he right. was like her doctor or at least a doctor at that facility and um i i just find that funny that that's the truth and that's just omitted all the time you know and mm-hmm. <laughs> right Whatever. right it really is like yeah. she's in a and this is something i think that will come up in the next episode like she's in a higher position now than when she was when she as a barmaid 
than she was right. when she met Fraser. But yet she mm-hmm. sees herself as being attached to this eminence that he apparently has, you know. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's funny. So, and then the whole thing about, like, the primary appeal of this relationship was its danger, you know, with the man that she's going away with, which, of course, she thinks is Sam. Um, and I, this might be a good time to get into this idea that, I mean, Diane might be angry at Fraser, but she is still in a relationship with him. So, mm-hmm. I know that they've been trying to kind of, like, pull Diane and Sam a little bit more together throughout the season, but... I, I don't know. I I judge her for going away with mm-hmm. Sam when she is in a committed relationship with Fraser, despite yeah. the, the danger and the thrill. Like she's not single, and it does seem very. I mean, obviously it's an episode, but it, it's a very fast. She doesn't seem to show any any um, like c- c- being conflicted about it. You know what I mean? Right. She's like, like she's like, oh, you know, when she finds out in the mis- original misunderstanding, he wants me. Well, that's it. And she wants mm-hmm. him. And, and from there on, it's just full speed ahead. And it's like, I, I don't I don't know if that's completely faithful to who she is as a character. You know, I think she has a, a moral compass, you right. know, that's a little bit more rigid than that. You know? Right. That's what I was thinking. I mean, it just kind of seemed like this wasn't really something that the character would actually do. Right. I mean, even Sam respects that Diane is in a relationship. You know, I mean, to some degree, like he's, I don't want to say backed off, but whatever happens between them, I feel like he at least is, (laughs) keeps that in mind, you know. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine that she wouldn't. I don't think it sounds, it's very realistic either that she would be, there would be that much of a betrayal. I do think Fraser and Diane are sort of self-destructing a bit. Like they're bickering, mm. like Sam and Diane used to. But oh, yeah. I still yeah. don't see that, that quick turnaround. Like, oh well, Fraser's away at another seminar, and now Sam wants me, and I'm going to go away. <laughs> you know, I just right. as dramatic right. as she is, I don't know that she would do that. Right. No mind, because Diane kind of has this moment of re- realization when Paula. I think it's when they they figure out they're both going with their respective men to an inn on the coast of Maine. And at that point, Diane seems to connect that she's misunderstood something and that Paula is probably going away with Sam. And, of course, he comes in at that moment and greets Paula, not Diane. Um, So Diane's really realizing this, and she hides her luggage. And, you know, Sam asks if she'll be all right by herself at the bar and so forth. And so she's, she's doing an okay job, I guess, of covering for herself until he notices her suitcase. You know, and then she's playing it off saying, it's just, Al, I think, was leaving at that moment or walking around, and she plays it off as being Al's suitcase um, and scolds him for leaving it. And he says, it'll never happen again. You know, he plays along, <laughs> which I thought that was, <laughs> he'd be handy to have around for moments like that. He, just he goes would along be. With it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just ends with that kind of funny Al moment, Diane slapping Al's <laughs> hands because he's been going through her suitcase, <laughs> handling her lingerie and all that. And then he says, that's the most fun I've had since 1958. <laughs> so. Al closes a show, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I like that he was able to close the show. I don't think overall it was like a super strong ending, but. No, no, it really wasn't. But, um, but yeah, you know, he made it a little better. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah, I, I think that the sort of the miscommunica- miscommunicated conversations is being becoming, I don't know if I would call it a trope. 
of Cheers humor like in these years, but it's definitely something that they've gone to a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, though, as we said, with some funny comments, we talked about you know Diane sort of betraying Fraser, and then Carla's shift. I felt like Carla's shift because Carla kind of changed her tune, and then of course Paula changed. But I feel like Carla was in character and first sort of advocating for Sam and then saying that she's, you know, she's too much for you, essentially. Like, that's, I think, very in keeping with Carla's character. Yeah, I think so. It's when, like, Sam is, she's fine with him. In fact, like, cheerleads for him picking up women. But if it turns out to be somebody that he's not necessarily emotionally serious about, but he is putting some work into this. Like, he's studying art and he's learning proper things to say and so forth. Um, this intelligent woman and that's when Carla is like no 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 like this is not where you belong you know which is <laughs> right. in keeping with her I think yeah it, it really it does it, it seems like you know she yeah she changes her her stance but she doesn't change as a character I don't think right. and I can't say the same thing for a couple others you know here and I want to talk about um back earlier in the episode you know when um um uh, Sam and um uh, Norm and Cliff and Carla are standing around talking about um, Paula and mm-hmm. and and Norm kind of asks, you know, what what is so special about this woman, you know? And he basically, you know, he starts out, well, you want to know the truth? I I have I've never been with a reporter. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it kind of he he's like, well, that's not com- that we find out that's not accurate. He has been with a reporter, but he keeps he keeps narrowing the field down. You know, like I've never been with a a reporter for, for that magazine with a readership of a million people with. Um, uh, lately, like, you know what I mean? He right. keeps narrowing it down and it's like, he basically says, well, there is really no good reason. There is nothing special about her other than the fact that it's the conquest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the pursuit that he likes, which is not a new thing for him as a character, but something about it just seems very, I don't know, very, again, kind of callous in how he treats um, the whole situation, I yeah. thought. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's, I feel like it's a shallow episode mm-hmm. and it's not that each episode needs to have some great you know moral lesson to it or anything of that sort but it, nobody maybe it, nobody is behaving in an appealing way really mm-hmm. um you know or they're all behaving in a very like treating the relationships with disdain you know like sam pursuing her and then fraser and diane are um in a tangle over it seems like nothing basically and then, right. of course, Diane, you know, leaping at this chance to go away with Sam when she is in this seemingly long-term relationship with Frazier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not done, it's not done in a, I don't want to say, because there are funny parts of it, but it's not done in a funny way. It's not like a bedroom farce where you have all of these things going on, you know, in a movie or a story. And mm-hmm. you don't really care, like, what are the characters' motivations? Like, why are they they behaving this way? Because it's all about just the sequence of events and the comedy. Like, I don't, you know, it's not that type of story. So the fact that they are so kind of callous, I think, it, it doesn't leave me with a great feeling. Mm-hmm. I agree. It does, shallow is a good way to describe it, you know? And I, I didn't really dislike this episode. I thought it kind mm-hmm. of flowed along well enough. And I did like a few things they did, but it wasn't one that, I, it's kind of just meddling, you know? It, it's like, all right, it's not bad. It's not, not right. great by any means. Um, but yeah, it just, it makes, I don't know, Sam just kind of comes off as very, you know, very shallow and, and 
for no, you know, his pursuit of her is mm-hmm. is really just about pride and it's about the thrill of the chase or whatever, you know. Right. And um so yeah, I just don't have a whole lot you know, to say on that, it, it's passable as an episode, like I said, but it's it just feels very shallow. That's a perfect way to describe it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I yeah. think too. Um, but it is interesting, I think, because, again, I have, you know, only at this point seen the episode after, but obviously mm-hmm. we're getting toward the end of the season. We're nearing yet another, presumably a two-parter, where we have to have a climax of some sort about the Sam, Diane, Frazier triangle, and we right. got to do something here that you know, tears everybody up and, you know, we got to have a big old drama thing. So obviously it seems like it's laying the groundwork for that. So in that respect, it's, 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 it's good in that, you know, I guess we're planting seeds for whatever is to come. Right. We don't know what's to come, but. Right. Yeah. It it seems like it's pushing that, that conflict forward, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Really my favorite part of the episode is the, in terms of a story, is the story about Coach and the family reunion. So I appreciate it for that. It's Exactly. It's a good way to open it. You know, mm-hmm. it's interesting, too, because obviously Coach is, Coach is not in this episode. He wasn't in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're starting to wonder, like, oh, you know. And and it's, it's this episode coming up that we're going to do next that I really um, – noticed and and really felt the absence like oh man Mm -hmm. what what would it have been if he had been able to be there i do like that they're including him in some respect though obviously Mm -hmm. explaining where he's at but you know he's missed (laughs) right yeah his present his contribution is definitely absent so anything else that you had to say about this one i think that'll do it for me that will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening.